Life Audio. Hey listeners, we're dropping into your feed today with a special episode of one of our other Life Audio shows, Christian Parent Crazy World with Katherine Seegers. We all want the absolute best for our children. We raise them in the church, teaching them to follow and love the Lord and pray for them daily. How is it then that so many kids are leaving the Christian faith? Is there anything we can do to help our kids have a lasting faith in Christ? These are the questions at the heart of Christian Parent Crazy World. So today we're dropping one of Catherine's most popular episodes into your feed, How to Battle for Your Kids in Prayer. If you like what you hear, be sure to go into your podcast app and subscribe to Christian Parent Crazy World so you never miss an episode. Okay, here's the show. Christian Parent Crazy World with Katherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you raise godly kids in an ungodly world. I'm your host, Katherine Seegers, and today's episode tackles this critical question. How do I battle for my kids in prayer? Really, this episode is about how to battle for anything in prayer, but I know that one of the things we battle for the most as parents is our children. This episode goes hand in hand with the last episode where I taught you four different types of prayer. And by the way, that's that's just the way I classified the prayers to help us see where we excel in prayer as believers and where we need to grow. I, I haven't really heard anybody else classify them that way. And, and of course, there are different ways of classifying prayer. But for the purposes of these podcasts that I'm doing on prayer, and specifically teaching us where we need to grow into maturity as believers in our prayer lives, those are my overarching classifications. I think that they're really beneficial. They've helped me. So let me just say, though, that uh, before I get into the heart of this podcast, I have been overwhelmed. (laughs) I mean, seriously overwhelmed from your responses to the last uh, couple of episodes, particularly that one that I did on what to do if your child has left the faith. I never expected so many emails, so many downloads, and so many people seeking out those scriptures that I put together to pray over your children if they have walked away from the faith. I, I, I've just been blown away. And I want to welcome all of you who have just found this podcast. Uh, The purpose of this podcast is to help us raise godly kids in an ungodly world. And, And whether you still have kids in the home who are walking with the Lord, or if your kids are out in the world and out of your home and they are not walking with God, or or you're somewhere in between those two extremes, this podcast It's going to help you to prepare and to relate to your children. It's going to help you pray for them and educate them and enlighten them and reason with them and help aid their journey with God or their journey back to God. That's what I'm here to do. And I'm, I'm praying for you. Your stories have moved me. Please know that I am praying for you 
and your kids. So here's how this episode's going to go down. I'm, I'm going to give you a brief recap of the last episode, those four types of prayer, just to make sure we're all on the same page. Then I'm going to share my testimony with you so you can see exactly how I exercised each of these types of prayer in my life and saw what I, I think are some pretty miraculous results. And just to let you know where we are heading, I'm going to do one more episode on prayer where we talk about those hard places, those places where we get discouraged and, and feel like our prayers don't matter. And I want to talk about the opposition that we can expect when we step out in prayer. Yeah, this episode is going to be like a rah-rah pep talk. And the next episode is going to deal with the reality we all face when we are in a battle. Okay, so, but, you know, both perspectives are critically necessary. And honestly, (laughs) I probably should flip them around and give you the rah-rah pep talk at the end of this little mini-series on prayer, but... I promise to give you my testimony in this episode, and I don't want to disappoint. So that is the plan. Let's get started. Here's our mini review of four different types of prayer that I want to that I went over in the last episode since it it may have been a week or two since you heard them. These types of prayer correspond to the types of sentences that we learned back in elementary school. There are four types of sentences and because they are comprised of sen- sen- oh, God. oh my gosh. This is hilarious. My notes my my notes say they're comprised of senators. Instead of sentences, I voice texted my outline to myself. <laughs> I think that our senators need to be doing some praying. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that one? I tell you, our, our prayers aren't comprised of senators, but I'm hoping that our senators are comprising some prayers because they sh- they sure need to. Um, sorry to to digress there, but there are four sentences. So there are four types of prayer. We have uh, the declared prayer where we declare who God is and how we feel about him. We do this in worship services with with praise songs and hymns. Praise is a form of prayer. Don't forget that. And when we get excited with those declarative prayers, they are called exclamations, the second type of prayer, exclamatory prayers. Now, I mentioned that some of us are a little more exclamatory than others. And you know, you know what? My pastor talked about this. It was like, I think it was just last weekend, about how some of us are very composed on Sunday morning in our praise and our prayers of worship, but we get very exclamatory on Saturday afternoon, screaming about a bunch of 20-something boys running up and down a field, throwing a piece of cowhide. Yeah. You know, I, I happen to live in Alabama where college football is a religious activity. And I want to tell you what my pastor said. Don't let a piece of leather get more praise than the God who made you. Let yourself get excited in your prayers and your praise, even if it's not exactly your personality type, because our God deserves it. He does. Now, both of these types of prayer, the declarative and the exclamatory, come fairly naturally to us if we've been in church for any length of time. And hopefully we're doing some prayer praising at home as well. 
By the way, we see these types of prayer all throughout the Psalms. Pick a Psalm, any Psalm. That's what I said last episode. Now, that third type of prayer is interrogative. We're pretty good at this type of prayer as well. That is simply asking God for wisdom or answers or direction in our lives. Which house do I buy? Which job do I take? Which doctor do I see? James chapter 1 verse 5 tells us to do that, to ask for wisdom when we don't know what we're supposed to do. But then there is this fourth type of prayer that is imperative. And this is where we all need to grow as believers and parents praying for our kids. Now, you may recall there are two types of imperative prayer. Some of us are pretty good at the first type. That is the request. We're told to do that in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says to make our request known to God. Now, some of us want to do things on our own. If you want to be all self-sufficient, good luck with that because you weren't designed to be self-sufficient. You were designed to need God. So you need to make your request known to God. But that second type of imperative prayer is where we all need to grow. This is the command. I don't think this comes naturally to anybody. Everybody needs to grow into this type of prayer. This is when we start speaking God's will into our circumstances, commanding our circumstances to come in alignment with the will of God. And you're going to see that in my testimony today. And in that last episode, I shared with you quite a few scriptures that show us our authority in Christ. He has given us a set of keys in scripture that signify authority. And we need to use those keys. If you missed that episode, make sure you listen to it. Now, you're going to see how I used this commanding, authoritative, imperative prayer in my own life in order to pray for two children that the Lord had promised to me and my husband. So, how does this look practically? Well, here's where I want to share my testimony with you so you can see how all of these different types of prayer combined to bring our family a major victory in battle. When I was uh, 42, we had three kids and we were done with the whole baby making phase of life. I I mean like D-U-N, done. We were selling off the baby stuff and getting our youngest child out of diapers and naps. and, And I started having dreams of a little boy, like, like night after night, after night, dream after dream after dream. I, you know, I have an article on how God still speaks to us in dreams, by the way. I'll post a link in the notes if you're interested in reading that. So after like the fourth or fifth dream, I got on my knees and I, I said an interrogative prayer. I asked God, uh, who is that and why does he keep appearing in my dreams? And the Lord revealed to me uh, very clearly that while I was done with our family, he was not. And, you know, I, I really did not like that answer at all. I did not want to go back to baby town in my 40s. You know, I figured only crazy people and celebrities did that. And I was neither. Well, I wasn't a celebrity. Some people say I'm wacky and I would probably agree with that assessment. But, you know, I I just, I couldn't get away from that little boy. 
I would literally see this child when I was praying. And and so I prayed another wise prayer. It was an imperative prayer. It was a request. I said, okay, God, okay, if this is your will, change my desires, change my heart, because I do not want that. You know, Psalm 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of of your heart. That doesn't just mean he will give you what you already want. It means that as you delight yourself in him, he will transform your desires to what he wants. He will make your desires his desires. So I I sincerely asked God to do this for me if this was his will. And let me tell you, this was not instantaneous. I wrestled with this for like, I don't know, like six, eight months, something like that. I, I, I'm i not sure. But I didn't say a word to anyone because it was like, I, I thought it was bonkers. It sounded crazy to me. Finally, I knew that I had to say something to someone and I figured that my husband would, I don't know, probably be the right person. After all, he would need to be on board with this crazy plan as he was a rather significant part of that equation. Uh, so on the way home from my 20-year college reunion, yeah, I'm not kidding. My 20-year college reunion. We were coming home from seeing my friends who were getting ready to graduate their oldest kids. And I had a talk with my husband about going back to the maternity ward. (laughs) Yeah, that one hit him out of left field. Uh, But I I wisely let him pray about it for like a while, like a long while, like I think five weeks on his own while I was praying on my own. And during that time, God did something amazing. He radically changed my heart completely. I went from not wanting to have another child at all to craving another child like I had never wanted a child in my life. I did a complete 180 and God changed my husband's heart as well. And since I knew it was the Lord's will because it sure wouldn't mine and it wasn't my husband's, not not originally, I prayed with authority. I moved to the other part of the imperative. I started saying some commanding prayers. Now, I will talk more about how I did that in a second, but let me just say that knowing God's will is the key here. This is not some name it, claim it theology. I want to be abundantly clear. This is not praying for whatever you happen to want today. This is getting so close to God that you understand what his will is. And if his will isn't your will, you are asking him to change your will. You are surrendering your will to his. And then you start speaking it forth, using the keys that he has given you, taking that authority and commanding it to happen. So here's what I did. I got down on my knees and I commanded my body to come in alignment with the will of my heavenly father and produce a son. Mm-hmm. I did this day after day after day. And six weeks later, we were pregnant. Yep. I was 43 and pregnant. And let me just say that was unlikely. I don't want to get into all the details, but my system was a little whacked out. It was <laughs> unlikely, but it happened just like that. Only then, <laughs> and this is the colossal twist in the story, didn't see this one coming. I started having dreams of a little girl night after night after night. And I'm like, what? What? 
<laughs> One baby in your 40s is like, it's crazy. Two is certifiable. And I was like, God, if you want to do this twice in my 40s, why don't you just put them both in there at once? Okay, let's do the twin thing. I'm okay with that. But not two trips to the maternity ward in my 40s. Please, Lord. Not two pregnancies. You know, and at, at that point, we had not gotten the official sonogram of, of whether we were having a boy or a girl or one or two. So it could have been twins at that point. But this much I knew. I did not want to be pregnant twice in my 40s. I did not want to be on the evening news. I did not want to be in a medical journal. My last name is not Duggar. That was that was just crazy to me. But as it turned out, <laughs> we only had one child in there, and he was, in fact, that little boy of my dreams. And like, I don't know, what, seven months later, I guess, at that point, when I was holding that little boy in my arms. Oh, man. I told the Lord that I never wanted to say no to him again. This miracle, this eternal destiny, this precious human being would not exist if I had said no to God. So I started praying for this little girl to come. But I told the Lord that I did not want to be 45 and pregnant because that is just like, so much crazier than 44 and pregnant. I don't know why I thought that, but I did. By the way, don't give God an ultimatum. Um, He laughs at those. Yeah. So I, I did the same thing. I prayed with the same commanding authority. I commanded my body to come in alignment with the will of God and produce a daughter. And nothing happened. Month after month after month went by, and I did not get pregnant. And, and I figured I must have missed God on that one because the window of opportunity for me to have that baby before I turned 45 had come and gone. And surely God would get on board with my plan, right? Nope. Nope. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. We need to get on board with God's plan and his timing, not the other way around. Now, this was uh, the summer of 2016, and I pretty much just stop praying for this little girl to happen. And um, in November later of that, that same year, a few very significant things happened. Now, let me just say that I know this sounds very supernatural, but in both Testaments, God spoke to people in dreams and visions, and he birthed babies and some very old women. So I don't know why we think God stopped working that way. He's the same God, okay? Maybe he stopped working that way because we don't believe he will anymore. Hmm. Anyways, at the beginning of November of 2016, I had a very disturbing dream. I, I dreamt that I uh, was with my husband and we were in a doctor's office that was, was bathed in white light. And I was holding a tiny embryo in my hand. And I woke up. And I shuddered. I told no one. My only thought was uh, a baby that small in my hand cannot be alive. Then it was like a week or, or two later, out of the blue, I got, I got down on my knees and I was praying. I, I kept thinking of Psalm 144 and I had no idea what that psalm was about or what those verses said. It just coming into my head. So I, I opened up my Bible to that section of scripture and it says, praise be to the Lord, my rock who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. 
Now, that was on a Monday, and I thought, well, happy Monday to me. I'm going to war. Woohoo! <laughs> wasn't too excited about that, but God kept sending me back to that scripture over and over. And then, <laughs> then I went to church on Wednesday night. We had these missionaries from Israel. They came um, to, to visit our church, and they were doing an original worship set. And they started singing Psalm 144. I mean, I, I, I'd never really even heard of this psalm before. And let's face it, that is not a Western hill song kind of psalm to put to a worship song. You know, praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. We don't sing that kind of onward Christian soldier stuff anymore. Not in the West. So God brought two missionaries from halfway around the world, from the most war-torn nation in the world, to my church. And they sang these verses that I had never really even heard before the very week I had been impressed to read them. Not once, but multiple times. And I was like, uh, okay, I hear you, God. I hear you. I knew that God was speaking to me then. And after the service, I was talking to one of the missionaries. Her name was Rachel. And I, I introduced her to my son. And I told her, yeah, I had him when I was 43. And she says, oh, I have a friend who had a baby at 45. And I was like, what? Yeah, kept getting that baby 45 message. Two days later, I found out that we were pregnant. I was, I, I was floored. I was shocked. But I was overjoyed. And so was my husband. I was like, okay, this isn't, isn't what I planned. I, I didn't want to be 45 and pregnant, but I hadn't misheard God. He promised me this child. But in the back of my head, I, I was just kind of uneasy. I, I thought of that dream of that tiny embryo. Then not long after that, it was like a, about a week later, Thanksgiving Day, I had a dream that I had ordered some baby items in the mail. And they came and they were all broken. And I didn't want to pay full price for them. But I had to. I had to anyways. Just before dinner, I I started to bleed. And, and um, we lost that child during my Thanksgiving dinner. I was devastated. I was uh, just heartbroken. I didn't understand why. Why would God allow this? But on Sunday, I woke up with one word reverberating in my spirit so loud, so clear. It was all I could hear. And that word was hope. <laughs> so I named the child that we lost Hope. Because I had hope that I would see her again in heaven, not just in my dreams. And I had hope that God would fulfill his promise to me and give me that child of my dreams. Later that day, I, I realized that it was the first Sunday of, of Advent. That Sunday is the Sunday of hope. <sighs> God confirmed to me so clearly that there was a reason to hope. And I got down on my knees. It was at one of the lowest points of my life. And the Lord spoke to me as clearly as I have ever heard him speak in my life. He said, I have promised you this child. 
but you are going to have to fight for her. You are going to have to go to war. And I determined right then and there that I was going to war for this child. You know, I actually have a teaching on this testimony. It's called Eight Steps to Find Redemption After Loss. I have it as a YouTube video that I did for an online conference. I'm going to link it in the notes section if you want to watch it and go through those eight steps that I went through. But I realized that I was in a battle. So I assembled my weapons, just like I told you to do a couple of episodes ago. If your child is not walking with the Lord, you're in a battle. So I assembled four pages of scripture, scriptures that talked about not miscarrying and, and God fulfilling his promises to us. That same list of scriptures is a free resource on my website as well for subscribing. It's called Scriptures to Stand On for faith. You see, we had lost a child that we named Hope, and we were believing God for a child that we were going to name Faith. My husband and I prayed those scriptures over my body every single day without fail. We prayed. We worked our way up. We prayed like most days, like half an hour a day. We commanded my body to come in alignment with the will of God and produce a daughter. We battled for her every day in prayer. We were determined not to be denied this promise. Let me tell you. (laughs) Oh gosh, I felt really, really silly sometimes when I went to talk to my OB about the miscarriage that I'd had and about having another child at the age of 45. I felt like an idiot. I I was surrounded by 20-something pregnant girls in the waiting room, young mothers who could have been my daughters. And there I was believing God to have another baby. Yeah, I felt, felt pretty silly. So I got out those scriptures and I prayed them right there in the waiting room. And my faith grew. And then I went back into the observation room and heard the heartbeat monitor in the next room. And I felt like a complete idiot again. You know, I should have been hearing that heartbeat monitor myself. But I wasn't because I just had a miscarriage. And I was almost 45. Who was I to think this was ever going to happen? But I got out those scriptures again. And I prayed them again. And my faith grew. And month after month after month, when I realized that I wasn't pregnant... I felt the enemy was just laughing at me. Who do you think you are? But I kept getting out those scriptures and I prayed them over my body. I commanded my body in the imperative to come in alignment with the will of God and produce a daughter. And after six months, uh, I was pretty discouraged. The window of time left to have that child Before I turned 46, it was dwindling. So I I asked God what to do. I felt like I needed to do something more. So I prayed another interrogative prayer. And I felt the Lord say to double down, to go twice as long, twice as hard. 
So we doubled down. My husband and I started praying, I'm not kidding, an hour a day. I don't do that right now, by the way. I'm not in a battle at the moment. But when I was in that battle, you better believe we prayed an hour every day. A month after that, my husband told me that he felt we were to praise God for the victory. We were supposed to sing prayers of praise, declared of an exclamatory prayers. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I did not feel like it. This victory seemed further away than ever. And somehow I'm supposed to declare and exclaim God's goodness. It seemed ridiculous. I was supposed to declare a victory that looked so impossible. But we did it anyways. We praised God for the victory. (laughs) And as God is my witness, I kid you not. On the day, the very day that hope was due to be born, we found out that we were expecting Evangeline Faith. Only God could write a story like that. Only God. And we discovered midway through that pregnancy why we needed all that prayer. Every ounce of it. Um was not without warning. Um, at the beginning of December of that year, I was about five months pregnant, and I had a dream. Surprise! <laughs> Shucker. So I had a dream that I was being transferred to a battle station, and they gave me these fatigues to go over my burgeoning belly, and all of the soldiers that were going off to this battle were flat on their backs. I thought that was really weird. It kind of made sense later. Uh, but then about three weeks after that, after having all these dreams about like being in a storm and on roller coasters and all sorts of stuff like that, uh, I had a dream that I, there was some like weird, I guess like evil spirits just swarming around the top of my bedroom. I could, it was like I was looking down on myself through night vision or something, and I, I saw something that pounced. I could see myself sleeping, and I, something pounced on my belly, and I woke up screaming at the top of my lungs. And we took authority over it, and we just prayed protection over the baby. And we bound whatever that was, and, and it was just loosing this protection over me. And uh, that day, <laughs> I kid you not, that very day, I started to bleed. I started having an abruption, which is very serious. That's when the placenta pulls away from, you know, that's your life cord to the baby. You start that connection, becomes compromised. And so uh, the the next, well, I went on complete bed rest, thus the soldiers flat on their backs, which makes sense. And, and I spent the next 10 weeks in and out of the hospital. I had a fibroid tumor <laughs> just for fun, the size of her head blocking her way to delivery and gestational diabetes. It was causing my sugar levels to go all over the map. Spent the entire last month of that pregnancy in the hospital. Couldn't leave. And you know what? I, I happen to record scripture songs, straight scripture set to music. That's just another free resource on my site if you if you subscribe. And I made a scripture song of Psalm 144 about God preparing my hands for war and my fingers for battle. I recorded that song. <laughs> Only one I haven't recorded at home. I recorded that song in room 6209 of Centennial Women's Hospital in downtown Nashville. That recording, if you've heard it, comes straight 
from the heart of that battle. And it was quite a battle. I had a full abruption on February 25th, 2017. I was standing next to my hospital bed and my, I felt something just gush out of me. And suddenly my room looked like an episode of CSI. Seriously, it looked like a crime scene. It was terrifying. And I, I was rushed into an emergency C-section and it took the doctor and two scrub techs, they were on top of the, the operating table. They were tugging and pulling. They were trying to get this baby out. They were trying to get her past that fibroid tumor. And afterwards, my doctor came around and told me that we, we did not have hours. We had minutes to spare. My placenta was yellow when they got to her. And let me tell you, Evangeline Faith, my little girl, never had a moment of distress. Rome was burning, literally, all around her. And she was in this, this tight little cocoon of prayer. You know, the whole time I had been in the hospital prior to that dramatic delivery, they monitored me twice a day for two hours every day. And every day they told me that her readout, her, her heartbeat, and her physical movements were perfect. Textbook perfect. And that child is perfect to this day. There is, there is only one reason for that. That reason is prayer, declarative prayer, exclamatory prayer, interrogative prayer, authoritative, commanding, imperative prayer that was praying forth the will of God, commanding our circumstances to come in alignment with the will of our Heavenly Father. We took the keys that God had given us and we commanded the daughter to come who he had promised us. And we bound every obstacle that got in our way. We took command of that situation in prayer. That is how you use the keys God has given us to see his will fully realized here on earth. Now, in the next episode, I want to talk to you about what you should expect when you step out into prayer like that. I want to talk about the, the discouragement that we can face in prayer. It is really amazing when you hear a story like this. And I'm amazed. God knows I am amazed when I reflect on what he has done. I am. But not everything I have prayed for in my life has turned out like I thought it would. We need to have the right expectations and the right perspective in prayer. So I'm going to do one more episode on that. But for now, I want to know, what are you believing God for? What dream has God placed in your heart? And what bold prayers are you praying to see that dream come to pass? I want to encourage you to get close to God, seek his face, declare who he is, exclaim his goodness, ask for direction, request what you need, and command his will to be done here on earth in your life as it is in heaven. Go out there, Mama and Papa, and pray some bold prayer. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. 
I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review? Oh, oh, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you could get some Christian Parent Crazy World PJs made for you and your family. You could take a photo and put it on Instagram and it could go viral. You know, just just a thought. Anyways, uh, and be sure to check out my website, which is katherineseegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. To hear more from Catherine Seegers, visit her site, katherineseegers.com If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a minute and leave us a rating and review in your podcast app? It really does help us connect to more listeners like you. A special thanks to Kelly Gibbons, Stephen Sanders, and Stephen McGarvey for their production and editing on this episode. You can find more podcasts like this over at lifeaudio.com You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.